Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Arnie Diaz Show. Uh, before I get started, I want to just talk to those of you who are listening and watching. There's only a handful of you. Um, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Um, I haven't been blowing this up because, I, truth be told, I really am just kind of figuring this thing out and figuring out what it is that I want to do with it. And I've figured out that what I'm doing and what I want to do is journalism. And I've done my due diligence and I'm trying to familiarize myself with the ethics and the fundamentals of journalism so that I can do this properly. Um, and in my research, I, I found this quote in this book called The Fundamentals of Journalism, that the purpose of journalism is to give the citizen information for them to better navigate their lives and to make informed decisions. And I believe journalism is an important tool for democracy and also an important truth and also an important tool to deliver the truth. Because I believe that the truth is under attack in our country. I believe it is under attack by those who seek to profit with monetary gains and power through fear. And I believe that the truth is real and that it is something to be championed. And I also know that trying to defend truth puts me at the front line of a culture war. And I will be threatened and scrutinized. And that truly scares me. But my love for my fellow human beings is more important to me than that fear. And I want you to know that regardless of my affiliation and my own personal ethics and my own personal political leanings will never ever stain my integrity to deliver what I believe is the truth. I know that I could come on here and I could fear monger on the right and get more followers and get more viewers, or I could pander to the left and get way more followers as well. But I believe that the truth has no political affiliation. And in this endeavor, I will continue to deliver what I believe is the truth. And of course, scrutinize me. Check me whenever it is that you feel that I need to be checked. That is important. Because in this new world, journalism is no longer done in a vacuum. It is done between the viewers and those who are delivering it as well. So I implore you, interact with me. Tell me stories that you want to be heard, that you want to hear, and scrutinize me when you feel that I need to be scrutinized. I will interact with you back, and I will 100% reform my opinions based on yours if I believe that they are right and necessary to inform my ideas. Thank you.
Thank you very much. And with that, let's begin. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk about Smartmatic is suing Fox News for $2.7 billion. Cannabis reform is in the pipeline for our new Congress. Baby food companies knowingly allowed toxic levels of metals in their foods. And Texas secession, yes, it is on the board. And we're going to talk about all those and more. But first, Let's talk about Smartmatic suing Fox News. So just to give some context, I'm going to read a little bit from an article, and then I'm also going to give a summary of the actual lawsuit itself. So just to come, just to start off, this is, a, this is an article from Forbes magazine. Quote, voting machine company Smartmatic filed a lawsuit Thursday against Fox News and several of its top stars along with Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, for pushing a false conspiracy theory involving the company's machines, becoming the second voting company to seek retribution against the far right for using the voting machines in their attempt to overturn the election. Now, I'm going to actually read a little bit from the actual lawsuit itself, because the first three stanzas of this introduction is... It's hilarious and, and awesome at the same time. So from the actual Smartmatic lawsuit filed in New York court. Introduction. The earth is round. Two plus two equals four. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the 2020 election for president and vice president of the United States. The election was not stolen, rigged or fixed. These are facts. These are demonstrable irrefutable. Defendants have always known these facts. They knew Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the 2020 U.S. election. They knew the election was not stolen. They knew the election was not rigged or fixed. They knew these truths as they knew the earth is round and two plus two equals four. Um, for some more context, I'm going to read a little bit from another article from lawandorder.com. Uh, quote, Smartmatic support lines and customer service inboxes have been filled with death threats, foreseeing Smartmatic to invest heavily in increased security for its offices and personnel. The lawsuit states the threats and added stress from the negative publicity have put an immeasurable strain on the company's workforce, requiring significant investment in retaliation I'm sorry, in retention and recruitment programs. Now, I'm going to read from a summary. I'm going to read a summary of the actual lawsuit itself. Okay. In the lawsuit, it actually states, it actually quotes Tucker Carlson's own words as witness testimony against Fox News hosts. Lou Dobbs Maria Bartiromo and Janine Pirro spent the entire election cycle claiming voter fraud. Claiming they, there were issues with machines that tabulated votes, highlighting dozens of other conspiracy theories that were completely untrue. Smartmatic spent uh, a note saying that they would need to clear up these matters or they would be sued. So, 
Lou Dobbs ran a segment on his show in December that went through and debunked all of the things that were said through the election cycle. They're using that segment along with clips from Tucker Carlson, who said Sidney Powell had never provided him evidence for her claims. To show that Fox News knew that the things they were saying were not true and that that apology did not repair any of the damage that was said. So in a roundabout way, Smartmatic in this lawsuit is using Fox News rhetoric against Fox News itself. Now for um, now there's been some fallout for this lawsuit. Lou Dobbs, Lou Dobbs's show on Fox Business has been canceled, and all of Lou Dobbs's future appearances on Fox News shows have also been canceled as well. Now, I wanted to follow this story and present this story because the implications of this lawsuit are far-reaching to the future of our elections. Because of these claims, it has. It, I don't believe that we will ever have an election not contested anymore. And the outcome of this lawsuit will have implications on the people who eventually will probably spread misinformation about these lawsuits as well. Now, personally, why I feel that our election was safe is because of this. The executive branch of government contains the Office of the Attorney General, Homeland Security, Department of Defense, and all of those branches within the executive branch, all of those offices who, by the way, even the, also the FBI, all of these were appointed, the heads of all of those offices were appointed by Trump himself. Every single one of those departments, including the attorney general, have stated that not only was this the safest election that we have ever had, that there was no election fraud whatsoever. So to me, the election was safe because even though these, because even these departments, which are head by the Trump administration, said it was safe, then it was safe. And it speaks to me that our institutions truly held. Because even though that these institutions were technically captained by the president, they didn't follow his rhetoric and told the American people that this was a safe and fair election. So that is where I stand. I stand with the institutions of our executive branch besides the fact that the executive office holder himself did not did spew falsehoods about our election. An interesting story, a fascinating story for the future implications of our elections, and something I feel that I think we all as citizens should really pay attention to. Now, next thing I want to highlight is the uh, possible cannabis reform. So I'm going to read a couple articles here, uh, actually just one article really detailing about what I'm talking about here. So essentially what happened is the leaders of the Senate, which is the Democratic Party, uh, 
uh, game a joint statement saying that they actually are in favor of a marijuana reform. So this is from The Independent. Three top Senate Democrats have vowed to work towards the legalization of marijuana this year, including Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Senator Schumer, alongside New Jersey Senator Cory Booker and Oregon Senator Juan Wooden, released a joint statement on Monday declaring their intention to push forward major cannabis reform. Senator Schumer has previously co-sponsored marijuana decriminalization um, uh, legislation several years ago. Despite the broad success of drug legalization at the state level across the country, the previous Republican-controlled Senate often proved a reliable roadblock for changes to policy on the federal level. So far, 15 states, the District of Columbia, has legalized marijuana for adult recreational use, and 36 states permit medical use for drugs, according to CNBC. Now, I'm actually going to read the joint statement from Cory Booker's website. Senator Cory Booker, Ron Wooden, and Chuck Schumer issued the following joint statement regarding comprehensive cannabis reform legislation in the 117th Congress. The war on drugs has been a war on people, particularly people of color. Ending the federal marijuana prohibition is necessary to help the wrongs that have failed of a failed of this failed war and end decades of harm incited on communities of color across the country. But that alone is not enough. As states continue to legalize marijuana, we must enact measures that will lift up people who were unfairly targeted in the war on drugs. We are committed to working together to put forward and advance comprehensive cannabis reform legislation that will not only turn the page on this sad chapter in American history, but also undo the devastating consequences of this discriminatory policies. The Senate will make considerations of this reform a priority. In the early part of this year, we will release a unified discussion draft on comprehensive reform to ensure retroactive justice, protect public health, and implement reasonable taxes and regulation. Getting input from stakeholders groups will be an important part of developing this critical legislation. So I kind of want to break down these last stanza of this statement. So here where it says, ensure retroactive justice. So what I believe this is, is ensuring that we might see some expungement of people who have low level, low level drug offenses um, because of marijuana. This might mean expunging anyone with a class C misdemeanor or anybody who is currently incarcerated because of marijuana possession charges. Okay, next is to protect public health. Now, this speaks to the fact that the criminalization of marijuana is not only a, a, an issue that uh, hurts communities of color, it also hurts people on lower socioeconomic levels 
who cannot afford regular pharmaceutical drugs to help their issues. Mar the health benefits of marijuana are storied. And it is a viable, useful alternative to many pharmaceutical drugs, many that are actually quite harmful as well. So allowing people the alternative of cheaper medicines for their ailments also is an amazing thing that I think needs to be pushed forward as well. And I think that's what they mean here as well. And I also think this also means that we should be able to research these drugs, research marijuana in a really good way to understand how it affects human beings as well. Because currently it is a schedule one drug, meaning that we cannot properly research the drug. You have to get special permission from that. Now, the last part of this is implement reasonable taxation and regulation. Obviously, there is a plethora of tax revenue that can be gained from allowing marijuana into the private market. Now, making sure that states and the federal government understand the regulations and are implementing those regulations and are able to tax them in a proper way is beneficial for everyone. It brings in tax revenue. It brings in tax revenue for both state and local governments. Now, I'm going to go back to this last article to kind of highlight something here. In terms of support, of public support for the issue, Gallup poll in November showed that 68% of Americans, a record high favored marijuana legislation in the U.S. Now, like I said, I believe personally that this issue is not just about criminalization and communities of color. I believe that this issue is also a socioeconomic issue. It is communities of colors that are definitely affected through the criminal of marijuana, but it is also low-income communities that are also affected by this as well. By the fact that lower-income people cannot afford health insurance, therefore they cannot afford some of these pharmaceutical drugs, that marijuana can be a much more affordable, uh, much more affordable option for people. And then also the decriminalization of it will also keep people from being incarcerated for low-level drug charges of possession of just marijuana. And I think that those two things will also help our economy as well. I personally had a misdemeanor charge of possession of marijuana. I was early 20s and I got caught with marijuana. That drug charge, even though it was a class C misdemeanor, the lowest class of misdemeanor kept me from getting a job once. Now, if you understand that, you can understand that expunging some people's records of these low-level offenses, just those low-level events uh, offenses, will actually help our economy by helping other people get jobs because they can't get them if they have these smaller offenses on their records. Also, there is also this talk that Biden may be able to lower the scheduling of this drug, and he can't. Through the executive branch, he has the power to write an executive order to bring the marijuana from being a Schedule One drug down to a Schedule Two, which can actually be used for medical purposes. However, that is not cut and dry as you might think. So currently, 
across the nation, there are 36 states that have marijuana used as for medical purpose. If the Biden administration decided to make an executive order bringing the schedule down so it can be used on the medical way in a medical way, it will essentially make it that marijuana can only be distributed through pharmacies. What that means is that all of these dispensaries that are currently distributing it, medical, will have to all become pharmacies. That would make a giant bureaucratic nightmare for the states and these pharmacies. Most of these dispensaries will probably not have the capital available to convert themselves into pharmacies. And then pharmacies themselves will have to learn how to dispense medical marijuana. So you see, so Biden himself can't really do this on his own, cut and dry. It has to be through Congress. So as a citizen of this country, a person who has been affected by criminalization of marijuana and someone who, I'm going to be honest, uses marijuana recreationally, I hope that this legislation is passed to both help the citizens of this country both get a new alternative, a new cheaper alternative for ailments that they can use so that they don't have to pay exorbitant fees for prescription drugs and also to help our people of this nation not have to be criminalized for the use of marijuana when some people truly need it. So I hope this goes forward. I'm thankful that we now have a Congress that will push forward reasonable marijuana decriminalization reform. And I'm pretty sure this is going to happen within the next two years, seeing as how right now within these two-year period, the Senate does have a, a very small majority of Democrats who are willing to push this forward. Plus, we have a Democratic a Democratic president who I'm sure is also reasonable and will see that this legislation should be passed as well. Next is kind of a crazy story, but is really important for a lot of people to really understand, especially if you have children. I'm going to read an, uh, an article from C CBS News. This article is entitled, New Government Report Finds That Toxic Heavy Metals Like Arsenic and Mercury in Popular Baby Foods. Quote, Baby food from several of companies of country's largest manufacturers are tainted with toxic heavy metals, according to a disturbing new government report. The report released Thursday morning says those baby foods have significant levels of substances, including lead, arsenic, uh, calcium, and mercury. The metals can be especially dangerous to babies and toddlers' brain development. Researchers say that developing brains of babies and young children are uniquely vulnerable to toxic chemicals, which can cause permanent brain injury. Troubling risks include lowering IQ, problems in school, and even chemical and even criminal behavior later in life. Investigators asked seven U.S. food manufacturers to provide internal documents and test results. Of the only four that did, all showed the, the presence of lead arsenic in their own test results at levels the report says eclipse maximum level set for other products. 
compared to the levels allowed by the FDA in bottled water, the report claimed the results were up to 91 times the arsenic levels, up to 69 times the metal levels, and up to 177 times the lead levels. CBS News asked these companies for comment, and all who responded said they are committed to safety. All the companies that responded also said that they either comply with the government standards, have developed their own internal quality and testing standards, or both. Several said that they are part of a baby food council, a group formed with the goal of voluntarily reducing heavy metals in baby foods. The problem is not new, however. Consumer Reports did its own testing of 50 nationally distributed baby foods in 2018, finding every product had measurable levels of at least one of three heavy metals, and 68% had worrisome levels at least of at least one heavy metal. Now, I should also state that in my research, I found that some metals are actually naturally occurring in food. Now, I'm going to show you the actual report here. This is the actual report that you can find on the internet. This one is on oversight.house.gov. I'm going to read a summary that I've compiled of this report. But just to start, I want to tell you the food. I want to give you a list here of the actual companies that were involved in this study. Natural Inc which sells Happy Family Organics, including baby food products under the brand named Happy Baby, Beach Nut Nutrition Company, the, the Hyen Central Group, or the Hyen, which sells baby food products under the brand named Earth Best Organic, Gerber, Campbell Soup Company, which sells baby food products under the brand name Palm Organics, Walmart Inc., which sells baby food products under its private brand, Parents' Choice, and Sprout Foods Inc. So this is, I'm going to read my summary, not from the actual report. The Congressional Investigational Report was conducted by the Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy Committee on Oversight and Reform, the U.S. House of Representatives. Fourth. Four of the companies, Nature, Beechnut, Hyen, and Gerber, responded to the subcommittee's request. Walmart, Campbell, and Sprout Organic Foods refuse to cooperate with the subcommittee's investigation. The baby food companies tested their foods and knew that they had high levels of toxic metals. Then they sent the food out anyway, according to the investigation released by Congress. Today, they caught the companies setting dangerous high levels on the level of chemicals allowed in their foods and then broke their own limits and allowed even more chemicals. And that Trump was told, Trump was told about this around August 1st, 2019, and he did nothing. Trump knew about this and did nothing. Currently, the next steps for the subcommittee is to set more limits and to regulate these companies. I will keep you updated on this story because I believe it is important 
for parents to make proper decisions on which foods to give their children. But currently, this is extortionatingly unfathomable, but also goes to show you that regulation is necessary. And in this instance, regulation is necessary for the safety of children and parents. Um, definitely, we'll keep you guys posted on this. This is crazy. Um, it's nuts. And you can, again, you can yourself look at this entire entire subcommittee's research available on oversight.house.gov. This next story is a little bit more close to home. It is about the secession of Texas. Well, not exactly the secession of Texas, but it is about how Texas Republicans are in favor and do endorse the secession of Texas. From The Guardian. Headline, Texas Republicans endorse legislation to allow vote on secession from the U.S. Quote, the Texas Republican Party has endorsed legislation that would allow state residents to vote whether to secede from the United States. In a talk show interview, the party chair, Alan West, argued that Texans have a right to vote their opinions on this critical issue. I don't understand why anyone would feel that they need to prevent people from having a voice in something that is a part of the Texas Constitution. The, floor, the former Florida congressman said of, this, of the Texas Referendum of Independence Act, you cannot prevent the people from having a voice. Now, there's a, there was a little bit of fallout from this, guys. Um, now, this is kind of, now I want to talk about, before I actually talk about the referendum, I want to talk about Alan West. Alan West is not Texan. And as a born and bred Texan myself, I want to give you some background on this guy. He was born in Georgia, was a Florida state representative up until 2013, and then came to the state of Texas and ran to be the Texas GOP head chair and then won uh, against an incumbent. I want to talk about this guy because I am a Texan. I believe that this man is an opportunist and is simply spouting rhetoric that is dangerous for our state. The reason I believe he is saying this is because it is popular among conservatives, but not popular amongst most of the people of the state. Not popular among all Republicans of this state. There is currently not enough people in our state legislature to put forward this referendum. Meaning this referendum will probably not be voted on. But the rhetoric he is spitting is simply to gain his own political future. Now, at the beginning of this, I stated that I believe that the truth is under attack from people who are trying to profit for power and for money. I believe this man is trying to profit for power. Now, back to the referendum itself. So, it is true 
that the Texas legislator does have the right to push forward this referendum. But I want to state some pros and cons here of why this is probably not going to pass and why it is probably never going to actually see a vote. The pros of seceding from the union. Anything that the U.S. government decides, Texas will not have to abide by. This basically means that anything that the U.S. decides on legislation, and right now we do have a Democratic president and a Democratic House and Senate, anything that they pass, we won't have to implement here in Texas. I understand why conservatives in this state would be interested in that. Now, the cons. The cons come from three things. Treaties, tariffs, and defense. Currently, because we are part of the United States, we fall under all of the treaties across the planet. So we can do business with all of the countries that have treaties with the US. If we are become our own country, it will now become our endeavor. It will take almost a generation to probably implement treaties with all of these companies, all of these countries, so that we can do business with them. If we cannot do business with these countries, we cannot profit in the private sector from trade. This is where tariffs come into play. We currently, as a part of the United States, can do business with every other state freely. If we are our own state, tariffs would have to be implemented through cross, because of our borders, because we are a border. So tariffs from anything that we trade from and anything we get from Oklahoma and anything we send from Oklahoma and anything we get from Oklahoma will now have to have a tariff on it. This would make it expensive to do business with other states in the union. It will also make it expensive for us to do business with other countries because we are our own nation. Therefore, we have our own tariffs. Defense. Now, this is partly a con for the United States. Currently, in the military, all branches of the military, there is, an out, there is more Texans in most of these branches than in any other state. Texans outnumber a lot of citizens in the military by a large margin. What happens if we become our own state? Do we recall all of those defensemen and women back to our state? while we start to create our own Texas military? Also, because of those treaties, as a sovereign nation, how are we protected from all of these other countries? How does our foreign policy affect other countries as well? Secession carries with it a large spectrum of problems that will not be fixed in just one year. This is the reason why the Brexit thing is taking so long to happen in their nation and in, in Britain. And it is not going to benefit us financially to leave the union. 
This is why we will probably never see a vote in the state legislature on seceding. And the reason I want to bring this up is because we are having people in our state legislature and people in trying to keep with party lines bring up secession of Texas. I believe simply to garner garner populist support for their own individual gains. Now, agree with me or not, there are people who have said they will not support the push for secession in the Texas Republican Party because of all these things I talked about. Now, I think it's important for us to know who is in our government. And I think it's important for us to know who Alan West is. He is not a Texan. He has come to this state simply for political gain. And he is pushing something that will probably never see the light of day in this state. I am a proud Texan. I love this state. I love this country. And for our own benefits, monetarily, it doesn't make sense to secede. That's today's show. Thank you so much for watching, listening. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. I'm committed to keep doing this, and I hope that you will continue listening to me as I grow and become better at it.